hello and welcome to the Slow Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Engelhardt, and this is the place for all things health and well-being for the busy mom of today. So grab a cup of tea and get ready to be inspired. Hello and welcome to today's exciting episode where we will be talking all things food allergies. And today I'm joined by a certified nutritionist with a bachelor in dietetics who specializes in helping people find delicious and healthy options for their life when they're faced with the challenges and restrictions of food allergies. She helps her clients find easy and affordable ways to enjoy delicious food so that eating healthy is not a chore, but rather an opportunity to enjoy something that they love. Please welcome Susan Heetel. So welcome. It's so great to have you all the way here from Indiana. Oh, thank you. That's, uh, that's so exciting for me. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And today's topic is something that I think many of us are struggling and uh, maybe without even knowing it. So I'm, I'm very glad that, um, that you're, you know, taking the time to raise awareness of this issue and share your own experience with like food allergies, what you went through. And uh, of course, I hope that, you know, with that podcast and anyone that is, you know, listening out there and struggling with the reaction of, you know, their body has to food, but is not really sure where that issue is coming from, will be inspired to, you know, check for possible allergies and, and look far, further into the, the issue. Uh, and I know that you have had quite the journey when it comes to, to food allergies. So do you mind sharing a bit more, like where did it all start and how did you even realize that it could be food allergies? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm happy to share my story because, like you said, I feel like a lot of people need to understand um, that you don't have to feel bad all the time. I think some people just go through life mm. accepting the fact that we feel bad. And I was like, ah, but it doesn't have to be that way. So that is why I share my story. For me, it started about the time I was 13. And for me personally, more of my food allergies are actually, by definition, food sensitivities or food intolerances, um, with the yeah. exception of gluten. That's a true allergy. But my dad actually was the one to discover it. He had suffered for about 40 years with severe migraines that, that got worse as he got older. And mm -hmm. every time he went to the doctor to talk to the doctor about it, the doctor kind of blew him off, told him it was stress. And really didn't help him very much. So he was mm. very frustrated with doctors in general. So one night he came home and we had made brownies for dinner. Right. And he woke up about 2 a.m. He said thinking he was going to die. His migraine was just killing him. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So he went to the library the next day and he just spent all day. I think it was a Saturday. Actually, he spent all day um, researching food allergies, food sensitivities, what could be, you know, cause and effect. And so he just made his own journal and he wrote it out himself and he, mm -hmm. he tracked his breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he tracked anything he ate that day. Like even if it was a stick of gum right. um, and he would record when he got his migraine on a scale of one to 10, how bad it was and approximately how long after said foods did it occur. Mm. Um, so within a couple of weeks, really, he had already kind of narrowed down the first three offenders as cheese, chocolate, and food coloring. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And we were sitting at the dinner table because we had dinner together every night as a family. And mm -hmm. he looked at my sister, who was 
eight years old at the time. And she was going to the school nurse every day for Excedrin for her own headaches. <gasps> and yeah, he looked at her and he just said, my eight year old shouldn't be getting Excedrin every day. Right. I wonder if she has the same food allergies or sensitivities. So he talked to her about it. And then he looks at me and he says, well, you don't get migraines, but what if your cystic acne is caused by the same foods? And that was really hard to take in. I was 13. She was eight. Of course. yeah. <laughs> you go to a kid's birthday party and the, the only thing there is <laughs> and chocolate cake and probably fruit punch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think it took both her and I a little while to digest that. She kind of took a different path and continued to work her own way through it um, through high school. For me, like they get migraines so they could see relatively quickly whether or not their food was affecting their headaches. Mm. Whereas for me, an acne, and I don't know if you know about cystic acne, but it basically grows for a whole month and then mm. takes like, another whole month to kind of go away. And so with food allergies, I eat something this morning for breakfast and I'm not going to know for like two weeks, maybe. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it took me a little while to get on board with that just because it, it's hard to see it. I didn't, mm. I wasn't sure if I wanted to believe him or not anyway. I was like, I don't know, but I finally got on board and I tried it and I did have to admit in the beginning where I, was, I finally started, like I started to see the difference. And then, you know, by this time, we're starting to clean up our diet every day. Um, my dad and my sister and my mom, and we just have different food in the house. So it made changing a lot easier because this stuff was just in the house. And the more I saw progress, the more I was convinced. Yeah. Okay. He's right. <laughs> right, right, right. But what is actually the difference between, between like food sensitivity and, and actual food allergy? Sure. Well, food allergy is actually your um, causes an immune response to your body. Mm -hmm. So your immune system is involved and could cause like itchiness, itchiness of the tongue or swelling of the tongue or the mouth or a tingling, mm -hmm. some wheezing, some nasal congestion, um, maybe some breathing issues, and then abdominal pain, diarrhea, mm -hmm. nausea, some dizziness. Those can all be related to an immune response, whereas a food sensitivity might be a little bit something more like my acne and my migraine. Right. Okay. And you can, you can still have skin issues. I mean, there's some overlapping issues that could be, it's just the sensitivity is going to be non-life threatening, whereas a food allergy could cause something like anaphylactics, which would be more life threatening. And you're not going to get that with food sensitivities, even though there are some similar, like similar symptoms that might overlap each other. Right. That's so interesting. I find it just mind blowing, really, that that you know you go for an issue to a doctor, you know, to 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 a person that is supposed to help you, and they, you know, they they kind of play down the problem, or you know, they they're not really on board of trying different things and so on. And then you kind of take the issue in your own hands, or in that case, you know, your dad, and then he finds relatively quickly yeah what the what is causing the problems or what is causing his migraines I mean I think this is just unbelievable really yeah and that that is part of the other reason I share is I mean doctors just really they have such a high course load to take I heard one doctor on a podcast he said you know basically the doctors get one nutrition class and mm. 
it's kind of considered an easy class for them and their workload for their other classes is so demanding that they blow it off a lot of times. And then, I mean, I went to school for dietetics for five years. There's plenty of things to talk about in nutrition because I had five years to talk about it. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you don't really start to uncover more of those details until you get into a little bit more of nutrition. Mm. I think, I think some of the basic nutrition, cause I've kept up on some of my certifications and I think, in some basic nutrition courses, they're doing a better job of at least trying to touch base on maybe you should look into that, but it's still mm. just a general overview. So agree. And I think that, you know, nutrition as such is just such a huge topic. And, and, and I think that so much could be, I mean, obviously I'm not a doctor, I'm not a, you know, but I just truly believe that so much could be cured through the right type of, of diet or the right type of nutrition you know, for, for each particular person, one solution for everybody. Yeah. But I've also, I've also heard that, that, um, doctors, they don't necessarily, you know, when they study and so on, when they go through their education, they don't necessarily, um, spend too much time on nutrition. Now, I don't know whether that's okay. still the case or whether that was the case, you know, years ago, I, I really don't, I really don't know, but I found that quite interesting. Yeah, I think that's fascinating, too. And I'm hoping that as they get to understand that and that becomes more widespread knowledge of how much nutrition plays a part, because I am all for westernized medicine and some of the advancements we have in medicine. But I also think, you know, there's something to going back in our history of what, you know, what yeah. worked way back before we had these medicines. Mm -hmm. Can't nice together? Right. But you also have a, a celiac disease. Can you maybe talk a little bit uh, more about it and just explain what it actually is? Um, sure. Celiac disease is an autoimmune disease that damages the lining of the small intestine. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is the only autoimmune disease with a known trigger. Like gluten is the trigger. And gluten is a protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. Mm. And so basically our body just has a negative reaction to it and fights it. And then we damage the lining of the small intestine where a lot of nutrient absorption occurs. Right. So when you don't catch it or when you catch it late, you already have a lot of intestinal damage. It takes the average person with celiac about six to 10 years to get properly diagnosed. And oh, wow. that is why I'm passionate about sharing it because I only suffered for nine months. My mm. stuff have been reduced to probably three or four and I was crying myself to sleep at night in pain and I was like nobody needs to do this when we can get the diagnosis wrapped up but um, right. it comes with over 300 signs and symptoms that you know can be all kinds of things that are not necessarily even gut related like or they're gut related but not felt in the gut like right, right. cramping and bloating and um, intestinal issues but then there's also things like anxiety and depression um, mm. that are emotional issues that just, you know, get overlooked sometimes. But how can you even diagnose that? Like what, what are some of the things that you can actually do, like some of the tests and so on to actually diagnose it? There's two ways to diagnose it. Um, you can do a blood test, mm -hmm. but the blood test could come out with false results depending on the type of testing or just I don't even know what kind of issues can occur to result in the false test. But the gold standard is the endoscopy where they go down mm. and take a camera to look at the damage lining in the intestine. Okay. But as far as for me, I know you had asked 
earlier, like how did I know about it? Mm. I did. I did what they call a candida diet because I was dealing with some other health issues back mm-hmm. in back in. I was dealing with them for several years, but I didn't really address them with the candida diet until 2012. Okay. Um, and it is a super strict diet that I do not recommend for just anybody for <laughs> because it takes away all sources of your carbohydrates, like your right, right. certain vegetables and all your sugars. But I think. I did that for eight weeks for other health issues that I was having that mm-hmm. I thought were related to candida and didn't turn out to be. And by default, I eliminated all my sources of gluten. Oh, right, right. Okay. So I think what happened is I, um, I did this for eight weeks and I saw a lot of positive results. And then I was really scared about putting some of those sugars back into my body because one of my issues was edema, which is just water waste in your body that doesn't flush through your system properly. So I had a lot of weight gain due to extra water. Um, And I was so afraid of gaining that back that I Mm. took in my carbohydrates slowly. And so after a couple of months, I had my first large bowl of pasta for dinner. Mm -hmm. And the next morning I woke up with the classic symptoms. I had stomach issues. I had stomach pain. I was in the bathroom from 4 a.m., to 8 a.m. about four to five times each morning. Oh my God, yeah. And the pain would start like mid-morning as like a little twinge in my stomach and then Mm. it would grow all day. And I would look from being like kind of flat, normal in the morning to looking four months pregnant by the end of the day. Mm. And I would cry myself to sleep. And just from the pain at night, I was right. So my husband would talk to one of his friends who was also his business partner about my symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after a couple of months, the doctor's like, the more you tell me about this and the more frequently it occurs, the more I really want to test her for gluten issues. Right. Um, this doctor doesn't live local. So he was going to have to send me a blood kit and then I was going to have to get a blood draw and send the kit back so he could take it to his lab for testing. And right. he, uses, he uses Cyrex labs, which is the highest quality um, testing for blood tests for um, food allergies and stuff. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. And so I don't know what took me so long, but I finally was like, fine, I'll do it. Just give me the test. <laughs> like nine months to decide that I'll, all right, I'll take this test. So he called me with the results and he says, well, he's like, based on your textbook symptoms and your numbers on the blood test were sky high. He's like, I'm 99% certain. And then some that you have celiac disease. He's like, you can get an endoscopy to confirm it if you want, but I'm calling it. And I didn't know at the time that an endoscopy was the gold standard or I would have gone to do it just to confirm. And also now that I'm like six years healed, I'd like to know like how much damage I had back then versus like today. I'd like to see what feeling I was experiencing. But then he also said to me, he says, oh, by the way, you also have these other 13 foods that you have to um, in addition to gluten. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, That was a little overwhelming. And most of those are food sensitivities and not food allergies. And I'm still avoiding about half of that list. I got back some of the foods, but I'm still avoiding no, as you as you said in the beginning, nobody should be, you know, living with uh, such a pain or or going through something like this and not really knowing what it is. And and, and as we said in the beginning, I think food allergies are, you know, 
we know our food sensitivities. We know that they're there, but I don't think they're taken very seriously. I did um, a few weeks ago, I did a eight day, um, like a smoothie. I wouldn't call it detox. I just I was just drinking smoothies for eight days just because, you know, I, I like to do that a couple of times a year. Um, and, you know, the duration of that always varies. Sometimes it's three days, sometimes it's five days. It all depends on how I feel. But, you know, so these eight days I was feeling great, you know, I was still doing my workouts and I was still doing my running in the morning and this and that. And then, you know, once I was done, like a couple of days later, I had some bread, just a little bit of bread with my salad. Mm. And oh, my God, I had mm. such a stomach pain. And as you said, I was looking as if I'm pregnant, like four or fifth month, you know. (laughs) And I just, you know, when you when you do something like, you know, when you eat so clean and then you feel great and then you never get this bloating and, you know, you you feel energized and you feel good. And then you eat something that is, you know, that your body is not that used to it or, or it's not probably you know, it's healthy or whatever you want to call it. I, I find it amazing how your body reacts. And, and and also knowing my body, you know, because I spend so much time or just in journaling and, and knowing how different foods affect my body and so on. I, I find it very, very interesting and very fascinating. Yeah. But knowing what you know now, how do you keep your allergies or sensitivities under control like do you have to take uh, like any kind of medication on top of you know avoiding certain foods or could just all this be managed solely with um, you know the foods that you're eating or how do you go about it uh yeah i manage it all with diet celiac disease has no cure there is no pill to take there's Mm -hmm. nothing to do but follow a strict gluten-free diet so i I'm used to avoiding foods just from when I was 13, avoiding the foods that I was sensitive to. So that's, I mean, that's all I know. That's all I know how to do. I don't do Mm. any shots. I'm not really even sure if you can do shots, like allergy shots, like you can for like pollen and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've never really looked into it because, like I said, two minor more sensitivities than an allergy. I don't have a true allergy to anything but gluten and possibly dairy. But yeah, I just manage it all through diet and I'm honestly very grateful that that's the way it is because um, Mm. why be on medicine when you don't have to? And I I know avoiding certain foods is really hard and very challenging and especially going out to eat and in social situations. But I mean, if just avoiding some of those foods make me feel better, it's really Mm. kind of worth it in the end. And then I'm grateful that I'm not spending extra money on top of that, trying to take a pill that only kind of manages my symptoms but doesn't fix anything doesn't make them go away exactly and who knows what kind of side effects they also have you know on top of on top of that (laughs) exactly some of those side effects you hear on the tv for certain things are scary like i don't want any of those (laughs) i know i know it's crazy but like once you actually get this disease under control can you like reverse some of the damage that has been done to the intestines or how does that work? Um, yeah, actually your body will start to heal and repair. There are people with celiac disease though, who struggle to, um, to get rid of some of the pain and some of their symptoms, but they also usually have other conditions going on. Like if a gluten-free diet 
is not curing some of your other symptoms and there's usually other things going on. I heard one doctor, I don't remember who she was, but she said that autoimmune diseases are like cockroaches, mm. never just one. So you have to manage whatever, whatever one you have um, in order to avoid the onset or maybe to delay the onset of future ones. So at the moment, there's no way to cure my celiac, but my gut can do a lot of healing. It's just, should I put that gluten back in? It will get re-damaged. It's not going to actually cure it, right. um, which I know is a struggle for a lot of people. And even sometimes me, um, you just, when you start to feel better for so long, you think, well, maybe I can mm. put it back in. Mm. But no, you actually can't. Um, and I wanted to mention on that too, for people, I think if they're looking at a gluten-free diet as a way to manage sensitivities or symptoms or things that they think their body's responding to, I really encourage people to take notes on what they think is and isn't working as far as like taking out gluten um, and review it with their doctor after maybe a month or so if you're still having issues. I feel like it's really important to get tested for celiac disease versus just leaving out gluten makes you feel better. Like if it makes you feel better, that's awesome. Um, but if you feel like there's any reason to get tested for celiac disease, I really encourage people to do that because it is an autoimmune disease. And by not getting it under control, you are at risk for more autoimmune diseases, malabsorption issues, just other issues, health related issues going on with your body. Um, and if it's just a sensitivity, then you know, for peace of mind that like, yes, maybe I feel bad or bad if I have a little bit, but a little bit won't hurt me for the long run versus a celiac when we get just a little bit of damage or a little bit of gluten. They say that 164th of a teaspoon, like just 164th of a oh teaspoon is all we need to cause intestinal damage. So that's, oh my God. We, yeah. And if, so if you avoid gluten for too long, because you have issues or you think you have issues and then you didn't get tested for celiacs, mm. but you decide you want to, or you need to for any reason, they're going to have you take a gluten challenge and put the gluten back in your diet for a period of time. Okay. And um, this is why I encourage people before you go gluten free for the long haul to just... talk, talk to your doctor about other signs and symptoms to see if you should even be considered to get tested because there's no way you can put me on the gluten challenge. I'm not having gluten every day for X amount of weeks. Exactly. Um, yeah. The kind of pain I was in. And yeah. I don't think anybody else should have to either. Exactly. Yeah. And so what are some of like the typical, I mean, I know you mentioned some of them, like the typical food allergy symptoms that, you know, people can, can look for. Well, for food, like for true food allergies, there's tingling, itchy mouth, swelling of the tongue or throat or other um, like maybe even your nose or wheezing nasal passage or nasal congestion <laughs> breathing, breathing issues um, abdominal pain diarrhea nausea vomiting and dizziness and here's where some of that like even overlaps with the confusion of celiacs like abdomen pain diarrhea nausea vomiting like dizziness those could all be celiac related issues as well and so those are those are symptoms that are typically related to food allergies but then just food sensitivities i mean really you could be you could be anything like it could be joint pain migraines your eczema your rosacea mm. all of that leads back to your gut health so a food allergy or a food sensitivity still all comes back to our gut health and how our gut is doing um, so 
that's part of the reason why the sensitivities and the or the signs and stuff can overlap is because you're still it's still gut related health right I think it's it's we absolutely uh, underestimate our gut health mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that you know we're paying enough attention and and we're not giving it the importance that that it actually because I think it is huge and it is very important I mean we see that so many issues start and so many like internal inflammations and so on start because of not a healthy gut you know and um, I find it very you know one powerful tool that for me personally, I found out a lot of like little things that were right in front of my eyes, but I never really took the time to see mm -hmm. them or to realize is really journaling, you know, just yeah. journaling, you know, what you eat, when you eat, how you're feeling, bloated, not bloated, tired, not tired. I, and and uh, and the funny part is that, you know, I used to be one of those people that thought, you know, journaling is a complete waste of time why would I do it <laughs> you know but then you know a few years ago I decided to give it a try and I was really blown away by all the positives that I got out of it oh that's awesome you know yeah but did you also then uh, took some time or are you like I mean not obviously now you know your body and you know what 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 you should eat and what you should not eat was journaling also part of your journey so to say <laughs> Not really, actually. When I was 13, I kind of let my dad take that journey for me. And when right. he came back with new food allergies and issues, then I would, well, food sensitivities, I would implement them and I would test them out. And I mean, mostly I keep out the same ones that he does. He's finding now more as an older adult, like he's adding to his allergy list, but he also hasn't gone to get his gut health checked because as I've studied gut health, they say that like, the functional medicine doctors are now saying that if you have upwards of 10 allergies and one doctor said, I don't even care what they are. If four of them are food sensitivities and then you have pollen and dandruff and something else like, or not mm. dander. He said, if you have, you know, if you have upwards of 10, he says you have leaky gut and that all goes back to your gut health. Right. So I'm doing more of my own journaling now. Like, honestly, we just started last week. So um, <laughs> I haven't really done any journaling for my food specifically. It's just been other things in general. But um, I do have that conversation with my body, actually, just really regularly. And I kind of mm -hmm. always have. Like, when you're looking in the mirror, everybody does it when we get out of the shower and we're assessing, like, all those parts. I'll still ask myself too. I'm like, yeah, but how do we feel? Like I'm looking at it and you're like, oh, I don't like this. But but I'm like, but how do I feel? Do I feel okay? Do I feel good? Do I feel fit? Do I feel strong? Mm. I have that conversation. And then, I mean, I don't like to feel bad. I'm, all, I'm the person who will do pretty much anything to avoid pain. And that's part of the reason I didn't get tested for my gluten issues is because it, avoid, it involved right stuck with a needle <laughs> so you know, temporary and I was in a different kind of pain I still wouldn't go do this other one yeah, um, yeah. so I'll do anything to avoid the pain so if I know that like a certain food is causing the pain okay bye exactly yeah I, I completely agree but given your experience and also what what your dad went through what would be your advice to anyone that is dealing with similar symptoms and the doctors can give a solution to the problem or, you know, or just kind of brushing it off or, or not really, you know, taking it. I mean, I wouldn't call it taking it serious, but just, you know, not 
not looking at different possibilities? Where should they start? Yeah, I definitely recommend with starting to keep your own journal and give it like a month or so. Like, don't just give it a couple of days because um, you're going to find more as you change your routine. We all have different routines over the weekend that lead us to different foods. But make your own journal of like what you think, um, what you have. And be truly honest with yourself. If you had a bite of this and a piece of that and a stick of gum, write it all down so that you can go back and reference it. And then like my dad did, he put a scale of how was he feeling, one to ten, like something like that. And there are, I mean, there are resources. There's a, um, there's a book called Gap Diet. There's another book called The Elimination Diet. Like, so if people need a place to start and they don't know how to do it themselves. There's also um, the Whole30. I haven't looked into it in complete detail, but I know that she takes out a whole bunch of foods. And then if you read the book before you get started on the Whole30, I know she talks to you about adding those foods back and being mindful of sensitivities. The only thing I say with that one is it's not an elimination diet for the source of finding food allergies, although it can really help. But I do believe Whole30 allows you to have eggs on the diet, and eggs are sometimes a really big food sensitivity. But then keeping this journal and talking to your doctor, like present the journal to your doctor or a nutritionist or a dietitian, however you feel. But those notes that you keep in the journal are going to help them. They're going to back up your version of the story, and they're going to help them to see things differently. Um, and then you can talk to the doctor about testing for celiac or maybe Crohn's or IBS or some kind of other issue. And definitely if you don't feel heard by your doctor, go find another one. And mm. I know that's a hard for a lot of people because not everybody has the same resources in their area where they live or even financial resources and Medicare, uh, you know, medical insurance may or may not cover certain things. But honestly, if you're in work, if you're in network, doctor isn't listening and you need to go outside the network, I think it's worth the extra money to make sure that you get the answers that you need for your health. I agree. It'll cost agree. you more money in the future to not have that figured out. I agree. And also living in that pain and living in that, you know, constant struggle in a sense, it's it's just not worth it. Uh, yeah, totally. I think so. It's definitely not worth it. Just <laughs> Yeah, but I have one last question. Yeah. What would be your number one advice for anyone dealing specifically with celiac disease? My number one advice for them is to understand that every person with celiac is going to have their own journey. So your journey isn't going to look like someone else's. And mm. It's going to feel lonely a lot of the time, but you are not alone. Like mm. there are so many people out there right now who are newly diagnosed or who have been diagnosed. And that is one of the best things I found on Instagram is this amazing community of celiac educators and supporters that can help you conquer your fears of, you know, being newly diagnosed and what do I do next? And how do I travel with celiac? Like all kinds mm. of stuff. And then definitely people can reach out to me for more information or even just a list of these awesome resources. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it can be quite overwhelming, you know, all of a sudden when you get that diagnosis and, and then you kind of feel probably that your whole life is, you know, turned upside down. It does feel like that. It's, it is very overwhelming. And I, I think that it was only because I've already dealt with food sensitivities and issues for almost 20 years before my celiac di di diagnosis mm. 
that I was in the headspace to kind of look at that list and go, well, this is going to be really hard and kind of, you know, not mm. so much fun, but I'll figure it out. And even I'm like a bread addict, the pasta lover, that's what I grew up on. So being told that I could no longer have it was heartbreaking. But honestly, the amount of time I spent in pain, mm. I'm so ready to dump whatever was causing the pain. I'm like, I don't care where it's coming from. It's got to go. So exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't matter how much you love it. It's got to go. It has to go. And I, I miss it sometimes. But really, overall, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I agree it's the same with me you know I love chocolate and I love ice cream and I love you know sweets and so on but I just don't want to have all the the sugar um not that you know I'm I'm allergic or sensitive to any of this but I just don't want to have that much uh, you know sugar and and all this so I just cut it out and the funny part is that now you know when we go out and uh, you know the kids are having ice cream and you know or we, when we when I meet with my friends and so on I don't I don't even want to have the ice cream just because I know how much better I feel and how much more energy and you know, the list goes on and on and on without it, you know. Yes, you know, for that five minutes that you're going to eat this huge ice cream, it's wonderful and it's great. But then I know how how, how I will feel. And it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a feeling that, you know, I really want to to have. You know what I mean? It's it's very interesting. Oh, it's totally true. I Yeah. I mean, so I can but I can imagine that, you know, with the food sensitivity or food allergies, even more so, because, you know, in my case, it's, it's, I don't have any of this. It's just, you know, it's just that I feel better if I don't have it. But uh, probably with food allergies and food sensitivity, you know, you're, you're even much more aware and, and much more willing to, to stay away from certain foods and certain triggers and so on. Yeah, it's true. I mean, social situations and sometimes dining out can be really hard. And depending on the day or the event, there's a lot of times I might honestly throw myself a mental pity party. And mm. uh, I I give myself about two to three minutes to allow myself to, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be sad about this. And maybe I'll talk to my husband about it. But then I also turn it around and say, you know what, but I'm going to feel better in the end. And I'm going to I'm going to focus on the friends that I'm with because I'm lucky to have a lot of friends and family who will eat at places that I feel safe at. Um, I don't feel like I need to compromise my health to go out to eat Mm. in order to have fun with them. And there are a few times where I will, I will change my mind and I will go to a place that I know I can't get a whole lot but that's when I try to bring snacks or eat ahead of time. Or, I mean, honestly, sometimes my husband and I will make an escape plan. Like, okay, after this much time, because maybe I can't handle it. Now, if things get really fun and you forget about it, then cool, you can stay longer. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it all depends on the occasion. (laughs) It it sometimes truly does. (laughs) But Susan, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience and and, um, raise awareness of this very, you know, interesting topic. And I think topic that uh, that very often is overlooked or not not given the the necessary attention. It's, It's very much appreciated. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to connect with Susan, make sure that you follow her on her Instagram and maybe you can quickly share your Instagram uh, name. 
Sure. My Instagram handle is Susan Hiddle Preston. All is one word. Perfect. And I'll also make sure that, you know, I link it on, on my webpage and, and uh, Apple Podcasts and so on. Yeah. Uh, so people can uh, can reach you. But thank you so much, really. It was very interesting. And uh, I hope that, uh, you know, people get inspired and people get some uh, fresh ideas and uh, take matters into their own hands, so to say. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I do appreciate the time to come on. And I also appreciate you wanting to share my journey and wanting to share the awareness with me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and for being here. It truly means the world to me. I would love to connect with as many of you as possible. So let's connect on Instagram. You can find me at Slowolution for your daily dose of healthy living inspiration. If you feel inspired by this episode and want to learn more about all things health, well-being and motherhood, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. This way the podcast can reach and inspire even more moms and moms-to-be. And make sure you stay tuned for the many upcoming exciting episodes. Wish you all a lovely week.